Hello, this is Gideon Rothstein, and this is chapter 14 of the book of Mishlei, Parak Yudalad of Sefer Mishlei, uh, and this is a chapter that we're going to study with the help and with the presence of Rabbi Yona of Girona, the uh, 13th century rabbi who wrote a commentary on Mishlei. Pasuk starts with, Pasuk Aleph HaChachmot, Nashim Banta Veita, so the English has the wisest of women builds her house, but folly tears it down with its own hands. So Rabbi just notes that this is pointing out that Ivelet, um, which is the second half of the pasuk, which folly doesn't have a middle road, doesn't know how not to destroy things, and that it doesn't think it's destroying things. The people who have folly, but they just destroy things. Whereas Chachma will always have Bina. So here it says Chachmot Nashim Banta Beta means that they will always have the understanding that you need effort, Charitzut, and Hashkacha, and attention. Those are part of the ways of wisdom. I'm living, I'm recording this in a time when this country is obviously, when the United States of America is in a very terrible time, and I will try hard to resist uh, applying lessons of Mishlei to this, but just a simple point here is that, is that Rabin Yona is saying that in order to have success, you need to have hashkacha, you need to watch over things, you need to be careful about things, you need to be effort about things, and those are important lessons. Pasuk bet holech b'yoshiro yirei Hashem, and loz drachav bozehu. So holech b'yoshiro means somebody who walks in in honesty or in maintains his integrity, he fears the Lord, whereas loz drachav, somebody who is a man of devious ways, scorns him. So that contrast is interesting because it's integrity versus devious ways, but it's related to how you really feel about God, and you wouldn't have always thought that. So Rabbi points out that the best fear of God is not the fear of punishment. If you only fear God because of your punishment, that's certainly a level, and we wouldn't reject it, but it is not nearly as good as somebody whose attachment to good deeds and to the proper way of living is out of a sense of integrity, a sense of wanting to serve God properly and appropriately. The opposite then, then, is a neloz drachav, um, is, is taking away from God's honor, meaning if I, out of fear of God or recognition of God's greatness, honor God by staying away from evil, then if I am willing to do wrong things and I'm willing to cheat and lie and steal, whatever it is, that will be, in fact, the exact opposite and therefore it will be a disgracing of God. So aside from all else, stealing and thieving and acting without integrity is also an offense against God, let alone against other human beings. In the mouth of an avil of a fool is which the JPS English has as a rod of haughtiness but the lips of the wise protect them so Rabbi Yoni here says that the whole idea of ga'ava believe is in the heart of the ksil meaning a sense of arrogance a sense of overweening self-awareness of their worth is in the heart of the ksil of the fool here of the avil and then the branch of that meaning the root is in your heart that you feel that way so when it says, the branch of arrogance is because the root of it is in your heart. And you won't start talking arrogantly unless something inside of you is is feeling arrogant, is feeling like you actually are more important or more necessary, more vital or more worthy of respect uh, than other people. And that's what Exil, Radiona here refers to Exil repeatedly, even though the public refers to an Evil, suggesting that he thinks that the distinction is not so significant, so this person will have it in his heart and also in his lips, in his mouth, and he won't have any way of getting away from it because it's all part of him. And he doesn't resist it, doesn't get away with it. Whereas, their lips will guard over them and it's not only that they won't 
that they will control themselves and not let out what's inside of them, but rather that, that Rabbi Yonah says that Chachamim will have trained themselves always to answer softly and gently and modestly until it won't be possible for them to step out of bounds. And so that it's not only that their insides will be right and appropriate and therefore they won't slip up, it's that even their whole adoption of ways of speaking and of modes of being, regardless of what's going on inside of them, will guide and guard them from doing the wrong thing. So that is, I think, an interesting approach, a suggestion that's, and this is certainly a very 13th century idea, the Sefer Chinuch has a lot as well, the idea that how we manifest ourselves outwardly also shapes who we are inwardly and protects us from doing the wrong kinds of things. That's what the Rinionis here is saying in contrasting, whereas the Avil has this inner arrogance, which will necessarily eventually show itself outwardly. The Chachamim have trained themselves so fully in their outward presentation that they will never slip up and will also shape who they are inside and they will not therefore have this problem of arrogance coming in. Pasuk Dalet Be'ein Alafim Evus Bar Ve'rav Tivu'od Be'choach Shor If there are no oxen the crib is clean, right? Be'ein Alafim Evus Bar But a rich harvest Rav Tivu'od comes to the strength of the ox. So what does that have to do with us, with people and with our interest? So Rabbi understands that it means that it's related, Rabbi Yonah related to the previous Pasuk. In that, um, in this Pasuk what it's saying is if you don't have animals, then you'll have a clean trough and you won't have to clean up and it'll be much nicer. It'll be clean and nice or whatever it is, but you won't have any means by which to support yourself. Whereas, if you have a lot of oxen, they can plow your fields for you, and then you will have a harvest, and then you will have wealth, even though the oxen, as the Rebbe says, muddy up the house and destroy the house. And the Rebbe says, and that's the same thing as in the previous verse, that part of what makes Chachamim, Chachamim is they understand that when you have a lot of people around who are willing to learn from them or around to learn from them, even if they treat them inappropriately and not the way that they should be treating them, they understand, though, that Berovam hundred Melech, that you need people in order to have the greatest kavod to Hashem, and therefore they will bear this and not say anything about it, um, even though they don't, so, so that when the time comes that they can admonish the people and get them to learn Torah better and get them to be closer to God, they will do that for that sake. In other words, it's a sharp and a interesting portrayal. He's almost saying that the majority of people compared to the Chachamim, compared to the wise men, are almost like animals in that they don't know what they're doing. They walk around, they muddy up the house, they muddy up the world, they don't know what they're doing, and that the Chachamim bear that and and accept that, even though they're mistreated along the way, for the sake of the Tivuot that eventually come, for the sake of the fact that eventually these people bring a harvest that can't be a harvest in his terms, in terms of study of Torah, learning of Torah, observance of mitzvot, service of God, that can't be gotten otherwise. So that if the Chacham were to choose to live by themselves, that would be like cleaning out the um, <coughs> cleaning out the storehouses, cleaning out the um, the, the the crib, cleaning out the place where the oxen live, it'll be all clean. You don't have to put up with the dirt, but you also won't have any to vote. So that's what he sees that as being similar to when Chachamim bear the burden of dealing with people who mistreat them and who treat them inappropriately. But Yonah sees those as very similar. Pasuk hey, eight emunim lo yichazev, v'yafiach kezavim, eight shaker. So Ben Yonah says, this, literally the Pasuk is talking about witness, eight emunim, a, 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 um, a trustworthy witness will never lie, whereas a fiach kezavim is an eight shaker. But Ben Yonah noticed that it starts off with eight emunim, and then it talks about whether they lie or not. And then it talks about a person who lies, whether they'll give false testimony or not. And Ben Yonah says, it's because the two 
go together. If you are an honest person and you always speak properly and appropriately, that's a person who you can trust their aid with their testimony. But if you're a person who lies, whatever the situation, if you're a person who is prone to stretching the truth or not telling them the truth, so then you'll be so used to it that even when it comes time to testimony, you won't be able to give true testimony either. And that is an important issue about truth-telling. I, in my experience, meet many people who think that truth-telling isn't, isn't a value, isn't so vital in many circumstances. But you know what I'm saying? It all works together. If you get used to not truth-telling, <coughs> you will not truth-tell even where it is vitally important, such as testimony, such where it's uh, an issue, it's an issue of Sarasadirus uh, of the Ten Commandments, not to give false testimony. They all go together, they're all in a continuum, and that people need to be aware of that vital issue in terms of who we are. So, couple, so a theme in the first few psikkim here is, we're going to have to skip some psikkim at some point, but a theme in the first few psikkim here is how you shape yourself as a person will carry over into other areas that you would not have thought of. So how you speak will carry over into how you present yourself and whether you let your arrogance out or not. How you treat others will carry over into whether they're around when you want to try to build a community of Avodah Hashem. And here, how you speak in terms of lying and truth will be important, even if it's something that seems relatively unimportant. It will carry over in areas where it certainly is vitally important. So a leitz, in verse 6, a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain. So, uh, Reniona thinks that a late is somebody who is outsake bechichot betilot. Somebody who just enjoys idle conversation. And then also enjoys laughing and mocking and having fun and making jokes. So these are all characters that we see today. I think people who have conversations and if you follow the conversation, there's really no substance to it, no real meaning to it. There's no real vitality. It's just a casual conversation. Vignona is coming out very against that. He's saying, and if you have these characteristics, just to like enjoy laughing and joking around and having idle chatter, that will get in the way of, because that will teach you bitul hamora. That will teach you no longer to have real fear and real awe of anything around you. Uprikat olam will teach you to remove the yoke of authority. You'll say, I'm a person too. I know how to talk. I know how to think. I know how to this. And those two characteristics, the lack of awe and the willingness to get rid of authority will distance you from true wisdom. Well, they distance true wisdom because for wisdom, you need to have all of your teachers and you need to be willing to accept the authority of the teachers even if they can't fully prove their ideas to you. And therefore, it's going to get in the way of that. And so therefore, he says, you, when the people who really study, you will find that they have mora. They have this sense of awe. They have this sense of acceptance of authority. And that's a major shabbat that he has about it. And that's what he says. And that's why the Gemara uh, Kisubah says, you should actually zrok mora batalmidim You should try to put some fear into students. Students learn only when they have some real fear. But that lenavon nakel. But da'at for a navon will become easy. So Rinyon says, da'at is the highest form of knowledge. He thinks the highest form of wisdom. There's chokhmah, the base level, then there's tfuna, and then there's da'at. And what it's telling you is that chokhmah can't come to the late, even the first level, for the reasons we've said. Whereas the navon, the person who moves beyond that first level, and he gets, will get to the da'at in the next level easily. Why? Because once he gets used to the ways of learning, the ways of study, then it's not so supremely difficult. And then with a little bit of work and trying to separate the false ideas from the real ideas, you will get this. But then you have to be an avon to get it. You have to have built up those characteristics to be able to get there. So the lates, and again, it's an example of the definition of a late has nothing to do with the actual question of learning the actual question of discipline, of intelligence, of devotion to learning, it has to do with characteristics that would have seemed ancillary, would have seemed side to that issue. Pasuk, Zayin, Lech, Mineged, Le'ish, 
Kesil v'al-yadat asifte. Da'at, go away, keep your distance from a person who is a kesil, from one of these people, and v'al-yadat asifte da'at. And, for you will not learn why speech from them, because when you hang out with these people, um, who are kesilim, you have to know, and you have to stay away, that you don't know them, because being around the Rinyona is dangerous, because it will get in the way of all sorts of things. I won't expand upon that, because I don't want to get too uh, caught up in time, but the idea of the company we keep affecting us, who we are, what kinds of assumptions we have, is central here to this Rinyona. Um, so the the wisdom of an Arom, of a clever person, is Havin Darko, is knowing his path. So that means the most important thing he has to pick is Kishon HaMaasim, acting properly, and fixing his character. Whereas the Ksil, Whereas think they can get their way by tricks. They think there are shortcuts. They think there are ways around it. Also, something that came up in this economic times, do you earn a living? Do you earn your fortune in uh, faithful, hard work of slowly building up on real foundations? Or do you think you found the trick that you get rich very, very quickly? So here, not only in terms of wealth, but here in terms of just success in general in life, the Arom builds proper character, proper actions and ways, not the outcome and not where he's going to get to, but each action as he takes it and each character trait as he builds it up, whereas the Ksil thinks he knows the shortcut. Reparations mediate between fools. That's what the English has. Whereas between the upright there is goodwill. Meaning that when you have Evelyn, one of the things they do is when they get into a fight, they get into an argument, they get into a some kind of a disagreement, so the only way to mediate between them is when you have some kind of an asham, some kind of a repayment. And that's the only way they build up, they, they settle fights. Whereas Yisharim find a way to uh, come to some agreement between themselves just with goodwill and they're building up that way. Good topic, but I'm not going to get into it because Rebidiona does not. But a very important idea of how you go about resolving disputes and what that says about you as well. A heart, the heart knows alone knows its own bitterness, and no outsider can share in its joy. In the simplest meaning, it means that our real feelings, our deepest feelings, are actually internal. And for all that we can celebrate happy times with those around us, and we enjoy that, the real internal feelings are really ours alone. And so too, with Marat Nafsha, with the bitterness inside of us as well, we can share it, and people can be sympathetic and empathetic, but only we really know what's going on in and inside ourselves. And that is why, for example, the best therapist will not try to impose their ideas on their clients, but they will listen to them because only the person really knows what's going on inside themselves. Just a halakhic issue. This puzzle, show is taken as the source of the idea that if a person is fasting, even on Yom Kippur, and they feel unwell, even if doctors were to say, we don't know of any reason why this person should need to eat. If that person says, I do feel so unwell that I need to eat, we follow that opinion halakhically and we allow them to eat because Lev Yodea, Marat nafsho. That's not really That's just halakha in the Gemara. Pasigid Aleph Beit Mishaim Yishamein Ve'olai Sharim Yafriach. So the house of the wicked will be demolished, but the tent of the upright will flourish. So this is one of those promises in Mishnah that you can see and then wonder what they mean by that because we don't always see it that way. So Rabbi Yonah says, um, uh, so that he says the comparison here is that the house of Yishaim is really like a weed. When there are a lot of weeds around, you can't have a good harvest, you can't have a good growth. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to eventually get out uh, the weeds. And so 
Um, that's going on here as well. So that eventually, the and what eventually means, we've spoken before, other occasions that eventually can mean years and decades, but eventually, Beit Yishari, Beit Rishayim is going to have to be destroyed, whereas the only Yishari, Yafriach, will flower out like flowers. Sometimes people think that something is a good way to go, but really the end of it is so that before you choose a path, before you indulge yourself, before you just let yourself go, you're supposed to ideally think about the long-term consequences of this. This is something that I have seen much resistance towards in some occasions in my own life where you say, you know, that's not a good idea because its eventual consequences are bad or problematic and people will say, why are you always thinking about that? Just let's enjoy this for now. So that's the question of Achrita Darchimavit. What are the long-term consequences of whatever action, whatever path you have chosen? Uh, the heart may ache even in laughter and joy may end in grief meaning you think that you're having a good time you think you're enjoying yourself but really there's an internal sadness that you haven't gotten rid of and that you haven't dealt with so again you might think that the best way to drown your sorrows to avoid sadness to thrust oneself into happiness or happy times or playing or fooling around or enjoyment and Mishle is saying sometimes it's not going to work and so that's the wrong way to go but he only says, the, the little meaning is, an unprincipled man reaps the fruit of his ways, whereas a good man of his deeds. Midrachav yizba sugleiv. I just wanted to point out that a sugleiv, according to Ben Yonah, is hanishan leolam al machshavto. Somebody who always thinks they're right, always thinks they know better, always listens to themselves, and they don't listen to other people's advice. And will never think that he has to stop and wonder about it. And a person like that is always happy with his actions, because he always thinks he's right, and he always thinks he's doing the right thing, and he never figures out that maybe he needs to change his ways and therefore he can't really reflect on himself. He can't really notice himself because he just decides whatever he decided was right. Whereas a Baal Mechkar, a person who really has the right way of understanding of it, an Ishtob will always think about whether they thought of the right thing, will always seek advice, will always consider, will always reconsider, and then come to their conclusions about the right kind of a thing. This is the kind of a characteristic that we've seen in our times, by very prominent public figures, enough said on that issue, but that's what Reniona understands, he's always happy with himself, whereas Ishtov will avoid that, and will always try to look and be sure, and be certain that they're doing the right thing. So, an Ishtov, Reniona points out, was called somebody who listens to counsel, to advice, and to telling you, that that doesn't mean that you should always listen. You're going to have to listen to advice critically. A petty is somebody who believes everything because they and they don't test it, whereas an arom, well, somebody who's going to be listening to others and seeking advice but also be weighing it critically and coming to some conclusions. So it's not the question of do you give over your life to others and let them rule it? Do you listen to everybody around you? It's that a suglave thinks they know the answer always without listening to anybody. And an ishtov has a critical awareness of the need to consult with others, whereas a petty just listens to others completely. Another characteristic within this constellation of issues is that a Chacham is always aware of his inadequacies and always afraid of his inadequacies. So he's always worried, maybe he hasn't avoided evil enough, and he's always worried that he'll make a mistake and then he won't do what he's supposed to do. Um, whereas a Xil, who is not bothered to avoid evil, but he's just sure that it'll never happen, it'll never, sin will never come his way, he'll always be okay. He's got a very strong self-confidence. So that, so this question of self-confidence, it's not a question of, 
don't believe in yourself, but the Chacham has a healthy appreciation of his limitations and is therefore afraid of stepping wrong and is therefore seeking counsel and critically accepting counsel, whereas the Ksil is just happy. He thinks that, yeah, I'll be safe, it'll all work out, don't worry about it, there's no reason to worry so much. An impatient man commits folly, and a man of intrigues will be hated. So since we've spoken about the Ksil, now the Rebbe Re- Re- says it's going to come and talk about anger as well. Because, my apologies, I was in Pesach Zion, but I got interrupted in the middle. So Pesach Zion, an impatient man commits folly, a man of intrigues will be hated. We don't know what connects this with what came before, and says that part of the impulsiveness of the Ksil and of the Avil, that they do, they don't really listen to advice. They don't really take other, other counsel. They're sure that their first thoughts are right. And they're sure that nothing bad will come of it. Uh, so part of that will be that they will also be short of temper. Because if they feel angry, then they'll just think they have to give in to that anger. There's no reason not to indulge that anger. And therefore they will do silly things. And then they will end up being hated for that characteristic of themselves, for that lack of self-control. That folly is the lot of the simple, but clever man, glory in knowledge, right? And they, they enjoy it. So that's an important distinction between the two categories of people. So this, a lot of this is, and this is a major theme of Vinyon is elsewhere as well, is the question of learning to train ourselves and control ourselves and to weigh ourselves. And it's a balance, it's the middle road. Vinyon doesn't hear talk specifically about the middle road, but he certainly endorses it. The middle road between overindulgence and underindulgence. It's not a question of, you're evil, we have to know we're evil, and therefore we have to do nothing that we want to do. He's not saying that here at all. And on the other hand, it's not doing whatever you want. It's an awareness that we have good tendencies and bad tendencies. We have, uh, we have the ability to achieve knowledge and wisdom and good and, and to fear God and to have proper and appropriate attachment to God and to knowledge. And on the other hand, we have all these other tendencies and we need to balance them carefully and control them carefully. And that is the role of the Chacham. The Chacham is somebody who doesn't fully trust themselves, is somebody who Aside from not trusting themselves, somebody who uh, is always looking for ways to improve and to grow. Evil men are going to be brought low before the good, so are the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Um, so Shachar, the Arumim, Rabbi Yona says, don't care that the Ptame don't recognize them. So here it's saying that even though they may be the evildoers, may be the ones who are honored in the world, in the eyes of the tovim, in the eyes of the good, they're looked down upon. And that's a very hard characteristic to achieve, meaning if you saw somebody who was highly honored, I think about many figures, many of the public celebrities you have today, everybody cares about them, everybody thinks that they're so wonderful, and so this or that. So the ability to look down on them in that way, and to think that they're just completely irrelevant to our lives, that's not so simple, but that's what Pasuk Yitzhak is saying happens. Shachur tovim, at least thinking that's the way it happens, is that the tovim don't even care about those people, even though they may be the ones who are more honored in the world. There's a new topic. It's that when somebody is poor, once they become poor, so first of all, if the, if a rich person uh, mistreats him, he won't be afraid because people will always like the rich person. So that question of 
the power of wealth and the appropriate use of wealth and the appropriate attitude towards the poor is just coming up here. So Gamla Rehu said a rash, even their friends don't like them so much anymore because they're poor and they have nothing out of them. Whereas the people where somebody's rich, all of a sudden they have lots of friends. Puzzle Kaf Aleph where and then the but the truth is but if somebody treats their friend badly and, and improperly, uh, so it's not right. So it's not that the the rich person who treats the poor person badly is okay. It's that people won't do anything to them. But Rabbi is saying, Mishle is telling us that it's wrong because all Jews are supposed to be friends with each other. And Reniona points out that this word Ashrav, Mechonin Anavim, or Aniim, right? People who are lowly, lowly in spirit or lowly in their, in their financial means, Ashrav. Reniona points out that only three times in Mishle that, that Shlomo Melech uses the word Ashrav for somebody, for something. So that's because most people, if they saw a poor person who was really honestly religious and observant and careful about their relationship with God and a real Yerushalayim, so because people, and this comes back to the theme from before, from just before, because people don't honor that person, they won't honor them either, even though that person has the quality of real modesty, real humility, they won't honor them, because they'll say, you know why he's on humble? He's on humble because he's poor. It's not a function of his good character. Whereas somebody really cares about fear of God, about Yerat Hashem, so they will see this person and appreciate them and admire them for the qualities, for their characteristics, for their goodness, even if other people look down on this person. That's why Rabbi Yonah says, Ashrev, Ashrav about this person. If you give a poor person like this, you appreciate not their financial situation, but you appreciate their human characteristics, their God-fearing characteristics. So Ashrav, because it means you've really conquered, you've really developed a strong sense of what character is all about, because mocking or being mean to or looking down on friends and on fellow Jews is a sin, and honoring them, so that's only for the Anavim Yerei for those who have real fear of God, but then it's independent of their financial situation. It's just a function of who they are as human beings. So surely those who plan evil go astray, while those who plan good, uh, which are the Chor Sheitov, uh, earn steadfast love. Right? So... The people, says, who see that the poor people or the, the modest people, the humble people, the proper people are poor, they mock them, and they'll say, if Hashem wanted a person, was happy with such a person, they never would have gotten poor like that. Just like the friends of Eov said about him, meaning Rebbe is implying that when we see people of goodness who are suffering, it's a test not only for those people, it's a test for people around them and how they react. Do I take that as a sign that their way is the wrong way? Or... Do I take it as a sign that things go like that sometimes and it's our job then to support and to uplift and to uphold and to help them out in that situation? Interesting question in terms of how to apply it. At what point does success mean that we should follow it? Or does success mean it doesn't matter? Maybe success is not an indicator of goodness or of the right way of living and therefore we'd have to measure and decide and make uh, make calculations about that independent of the question of who's succeeding and who's not. We have to weigh it by what we know from Torah, from our tradition. From all toil, there is some gain. From everything you try, there is some gain. But idle chatter is pure loss. So uh, uh, the Ben says, it's talking about um, 
it's talking about zwizur, it's talking about effort, it's talking about putting in effort into things. And if you try, whether a lot or a little, whether in knowledge and wisdom, whether in the ways of the world, you'll get something out of it. But when it comes to talking and just having idle chatter and just sitting around and schmoozing, so that's going to lead to idleness in general, and then you're not going to get anything out of it. So that's, we've, we, we brought up that issue before in this paragraph, the question of idleness and of chatter and of just talking and shooting the breeze. And here, Rabbi is understanding Mishnah to contrast that to effort made in terms of building the world, and that will always get something, whereas just talking will not always get something, will often will just cause loss. Now the other side of this whole discussion of wealth, we had said that one of the challenges is to recognize that sometimes poor people are nonetheless people of great character, great character, not just that they're okay, but of great character, that being true, you might think that, well, then why should we want wealth at all? So the answer is that when when wise people, and meaning wise in their understanding of the ways of God, not wise like smart people, but wise in their service of God and in their setting up lives of appropriate activities, when they have wealth, so then it will be an, a terror to them, it will be a crown to them, people will follow them more, pay attention to them more, etc., because uh, otherwise, otherwise people will ignore them and that will be terrible. So the giving them wealth, when Chachamim have wealth, when they succeed, that's when people listen to them, pay attention to them, and then they can move them towards the proper fear of God and to bring the truth out into the world. So, but when Ksilim have Osher, when Ksilim have wealth, that's Ikari Valtavar right? That is the essence, that is the, the building block of their of their foolishness because then they'll assume that everything's fine with them. Right? You meet people like this who don't know anything about how to real life, how to live a life. They're, all they do is they hit upon some great idea that made them millions, if not billions, of dollars, and then all of a sudden they think of themselves as being the wisest people in the world, as if they know how to run the world. So that's Ivelit Ksilim uh Ivelit. That will just lead them into more Ivelit because they will assume that their success actually means something about them rather than the fact that they were very fortunate and very lucky. If I see this I see this personally all the time. You have many, many rich people who will assume they also know what to do with their stucco dollars, what to know how to shape the future of the Jewish people by which causes they support. They know, even though many of them have no reason to think they know, they have no background in that. They you know, they were financial wizards, or they discovered a new product, or they discovered a new formula. So the knowledge of that is not necessarily real wisdom, and that's a terachachamim washram. When when wise people become rich, that's really a, a great, wonderful thing, because then they can push the proper causes, the proper agents. Whereas when ksilim become wealthy, it just leads to more evil, it leads to more foolishness. Uh, the, the JPS has it as a truthful witness saves lives, whereas he who testifies lies. This is something we saw earlier in the paragraph as well. Um, so in the first half, it's because when you give proper testimony, you will save people from great losses. You will save them from being cheated and stolen from. Then is that when somebody gets used to lying, it's that much harder to catch them in a lie because they no longer have any tension about it. They don't have any problem. They really can just lie because they've trained themselves to. They're just comfortable with lies and it's almost as if they can convince themselves that that's the truth. So that's going to be a very difficult thing to catch. If you have real fear of God, that will be the true security and that will be what will give you the opportunity to feel some confidence that your children will have a safe and a proper and a good way in life because Hashem will protect them as well. So this is the generational kind of a thing about 
the fear of God. It doesn't happen work in the short term, but it is true in the long term that it is the only source, source of real security. It also teaches you the proper ways to do things and to avoid traps of death. I don't know what that means in the short term. And again, it means in the long term because that's what Rabbi says. It means you'll teach you the right actions, it'll teach you the right character traits, and in the long term, that will take you away from death. When you have, there's a famous puzzle because it's the source of wanting larger shuls. A numerous people is the glory of a king. All other things being equal, if you have more people in a room diving to Hashem, it's better. Without a nation, a ruler is ruined. Uh, and, and so that, but that, it's the, a large group if they're willing to accept the authority of the king or of Hashem. So, if you don't have a ruler, then you have problems. So it's a question of nations and polities needing to accept authority, a whole question of its own, especially in democracies, willing to accept the leadership and authority is an important characteristic in order to be able to build a proper nation and community. If you have a long temper, if you don't just give in to your anger and you don't immediately take uh, revenge for those who insult you or bother you. That's a lot of wisdom. Whereas this we've seen before, somebody just indulges their first instinct and therefore will give in to their anger and therefore punish or take revenge or any of those things. So that will be a person is going to increase and push foolishness and folly and yeah, foolishness and folly. So on Pasuklamen says most uh, most remedies, most medicines hurt one part of the body in order to heal another part of the body. You know, they taste bad or they this or they that. But if you have a lave, if you have a heart that's uh, that that is a savlan, that is uh, that is long suffering and what does not give into anger right away, so that creates a a healing for the entire body, whereas having a lot of anger and jealousy and bitterness, that will destroy the whole body. So these character traits and these characteristics, he's saying, are a lot more significant to the health of the body and our overall health than the immediate causes that you might think. If somebody cheats a poor person, so that is uh, reviling God because... Hashem could have uh, set up the world a different way, and and so when you're saying that you think that that you can have the right to lord it over a poor person, so that's a, an embarrassment to God. It's a way of of throwing in God's face that God set up the world this way. Whereas if you honor the poor as well, then you're honoring Hashem. If you treat the poor properly, then you're saying this is the way Hashem set up the world. Hashem gave me the responsibility to take it to the next step and to help all people who are suffering, and therefore you are honoring God by doing so. That when when bad, this is sort of like Haman, where they where his advisors say to him, once you started to fall, you're going to fall forever. That's what this passage means as well, according to Rabbi Yonah. When a bad person starts to fall, they're going to fall forever because they have no backup. They have nothing backing them. But a, a tzaddik, even when he's on deathbed, even when he's dying, has the ability to assume that Hashem is going to save and protect and deal with him, not necessarily from the death, but from any eternal consequences of it. And the tzaddik always knows that he can rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or she can rely on Hashem, for, for true and ultimate salvation. The wisdom rests quietly in the man of a prudent man, but among dullards, it makes, sorry, it makes itself known. Reniona says that 
in the heart of a wise person who always involved in wisdom because he knows how great it is and he puts it in his heart, he doesn't, he only teaches it necessarily, not necessarily to everybody, only to the appropriate and proper people and only speaks in the right time. Whereas when amongst, when it comes to Ksilim, to the fools, so they, if they know anything, they'll let it out right away. So this is also another aspect of the question of wisdom and the question of impulsiveness, the question of, of just doing whatever you want. So Rabbi is saying that the wise have to choose carefully when and to whom to share even their wisdom. It's not true that all wisdom should be shared all the time. Topic we've seen, I think, other times as well in terms of esotericism and exotericism. And that's what's going on here. Pasuk Lamedalat, uh, if you give charity, every nation is uplifted by giving charity, even if they're not doing it for the right purpose. Um, and it and it's like a chatat. Uh, the the kindness of a nation is like a chatat. Is like a, an atonement. So actually, the Gemara takes us in different directions, but Rabbi takes it literally this way. And I would just, as a final plug in the context, to note that there are nations that don't give a lot of charity and don't do a lot of charity, and there are nations that do. And that Mishlei seems to be saying that a nation that does a lot of charity is a nation that's going to be uplifted. In that context, I would point out that in the United States of America, the percentages of money that people give to charity are remarkably low at this current juncture in our history. And Zakat Romim Goy, the Chesed Umim Chata. Pasuk Lamed Hey, Ritzon Melech Le'Evin Maskil Ve'Evrato Tiyeh Mevish. Evrato yeah, maybe he's right. Um, that the the king wants a servant who is a maskil. So maskil here means somebody who understands what they're doing and they're doing the right thing for the right reasons. Whereas he'd be angry with an incompetent servant. Reniono applies that to Hashem and to people do mitzvos. And he says that the ritzon melech is not an evet, but an evet maskil. And so Reniono says here. So the Rambam brings up the phrase from Yeshayahu, "Mitzvat Anashim Belumada." Those who do, Reniono says explicitly, those who serve God and they keep the mitzvot, but they don't do it for the right reasons. They do it to become famous. They do it because that's what everybody else does. Do it for those reasons, so they'll get their reward, but they won't get nearly the reward they were supposed to, and they won't be the Ritzon Melech. The Ritzon Melech is an Evan Maskil, as a person who, just to bring it back all to the parable we've seen. At such length today, and I apologize, but to bring it all back to the parable, a person who is in control of themselves, in control of their impulses, who knows when, where, how, and why to act towards Hashem and all those things, that's the Rishon Melech, and that's the character, set of characteristics we can all aspire towards and work on by accepting advice from others, valuing wisdom, seeking wisdom, doing all the things that this and other chapters of Mishlei have been telling us to do. Have a great day.